0: The church that we belong to loves the word of God and uh, we're going to go to the last book of the Bible tonight for a reading, Revelation chapter 2 and um, I'm just going to lead us into the final message of our autumn series called Take Heed and I'll reflect on that in a moment but if we could have the the reading up that would be great. Revelation chapter 2 verses 1 to 7 and uh, I'm going to read these words. Yeah, to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people that you have tested, those who claim to be apostles but are not. Nothing's changed and have found them false. You have persevered and endured hardships in my name and you have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You've forsaken the love that you had first, or as some Bible translations say, your first love. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. To one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Now, for those of you that have been believers for some time, this will be a familiar passage of Scripture. And I want us just to really reflect tonight on what God wants to say to us. I was just thinking as we've enjoyed this wonderful atmosphere of worship, and sung some great songs to God that many people tell me that Sunday night church is over. And I'm just so thankful that Arena Church are booking the trend And that we've just got a great turnout. Bear in mind, we've got Kids Church out there tonight. So just what a great turnout, a great sense of pressing into God, a great sense of his presence. And God wants to speak tonight. And God wants to minister. And I really, every preacher wants every message to speak to people, of course. But I want you to take to heart the word of God tonight. I'm going to to share a few thoughts from the reading from Revelation chapter 2. And if you've not been in Arena Mansfield over the last six or seven weeks, we've been running with this series or take heed it's a, a, heeds probably a, an old-fashioned word now but in the authorised version of the bible take heed appears on a number of occasions and we've been reminding ourselves uh, on this great journey of arena mansfield that there are things that we need to take note of and andy as he led breaking of bread so well again reminded us to look forward yeah. but he just threw in there that occasionally it's good to look back and it really is um, as long as we don't stay there. Um, the power of remembering, the power of reflecting is incredible because actually what it does, it propels us forward. And if you remember, at the beginning of this year, we were meeting in the Mansfield Town football grounds. And they even had one course stadium on Sky News yesterday. It's always going to be Field Mill, isn't it? You know, but but uh, Mr. Radford's done a great job there, uh, getting the, the rename of the stadium. And sometimes the heating didn't come on. And it was a bit cold and people had to set up and get stuff and equipment and Pete Lloyd lugging, he seemed to be having about 37 speakers every week sort of up and down the stairs. And you think of all the amazing faithfulness of people's hearts on that journey. And I was laughing to myself this week because I remember the first time Christian mentioned about we need a building and everybody thinking, good grief, how are we going to do that? You know, we're about 60 or 70 people. But somehow... I don't know whether you can remember, Christian, it was like that night when you first mentioned it, everybody said, yeah, you know, why not? And so, in just spring of this year, Steve Holmes and Christian and me were at the Sheffield United Football ground at this auction. I was in absolute agony, not because of, of the company, that was great, but I'd done something, to, done, done something to my arm, I don't know what it was, it came, it went, but the fortnight that I had, it was horrible. And... Um, and I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I didn't even know why I was there. I think it was just, Steve and Christian were really pumped. The entrepreneurial spirit was pour, oozing out of them, you know. It was pouring out of them, you know. And uh, we watched as we came to Lot 24, which was this building, you know. And uh, the guy that uh, did the auction, he was like a preacher. He's from a Welsh congregation fa- family. And he was, he was just absolutely brilliant the way that he led it. And people were putting their hands up. And then somebody was stalk- walking up to them and giving them a piece of paper and and it was fascinating and we got to the figure you know and the other guy bowed out and he says to the man to the mic it was incredible a Christian bought this building I mean it must have been mad (laughs) absolutely but Noah was mad to build an ark and Joshua was mad to take people into a new land and it was when we say that, not, being, not talking about idiocy, but there's a bit of madness to respond to the word of the Lord. There really is. And so I was thinking this afternoon about those long summer nights, and they seem long gone, don't they, when it's pitch black at quarter past four. And people be piling up here in the week and painting and clearing up and throwing stuff into the skip. And, and it, was just, it was just fascinating we We'd come a long way. And if you feel sometimes a a bit frustrated with progress, don't be. Because there's a sense where we're just at the start, but we've made so much progress. And it's all by the grace of God. And in in just the role that I have, you know, I do sort of have wider context. And I just have the privilege sometimes of telling this story. And, you know, I I take my hands off and say, actually, it's had very little to do with me. I just have the joy of, of celebrating other people's amazing commitment to the purposes of Jesus. And... We're here on this story, and in the summer, we had a guest speaker with us, and we we realized that from time to time during the year, and we'll do it again in 2014, we need to have people that will come into the church, that will speak into the church, with some relationship, some of those relationships very deep, and some of them trusted, sometimes on the basis of other relationships we have with people. But David Hine was with us, and David's part of our area leadership team as well, and uh, and David came from Leicester, and he, he brought a word. And on the night particularly, he preached in the morning, 2 Chronicles 20 at, at uh, Ilkeston Arena. Interestingly, a Christian preached on that not long ago. So it was something God's trying to say to us. And then at night, it, it was 18 minutes before he actually got to his message, and it looked like I was, I'm going to be the same tonight. But he was prophesying. He was prophesying and encouraging us really what to speak on and talked about, you know, times of proclamation, times of preparation. But to declare the kingdom of God in, the, in this summer, we did, and we drew people in from the church that spoke. And it's just been amazing how God has fueled what we're doing. And this little phrase is really what we've tried to do over the last few weeks, is just to remind us, in all of this journey, that of some of the things, and there are just some of the things, that are really important to Arena Church Mansfield, and for us to take heed. And to take heed means simply in everyday updated language to take note, to observe, to regard and to be attentive. And I'm going to try and not be too long tonight, so I encourage you to um, really just try and be attentive to what God's trying to say through his word from these verses. You may have read those verses and thought, oh, they sound a bit negative, but I don't want you to hear them negative. I want you to hear them as a challenge and I want you to hear them as something that will stir us because... We've talked about taking heed to the word of God, number one. We talked about taking heed to ourselves, discipleship, or as the North Americans like to describe it, spiritual formation. The passion of Jesus looking forward next year is that you become more like him than what you are this year. That's the journey that we're all committed to. And so we need to take heed to ourselves, not introspectively that we're not bothered about the world, but we're not going to be much good to them if God's not keeping doing something in us. Then Julie led us in taking heed to worship. And wasn't it great just to worship? All Those two little refrains the guys brought to us today, my, they just touched my heart amazingly. And Christian just leading us in the song of the Lord, just brilliant. We remind ourselves to take heed to serving, to carry metaphorically the towel and the bowl of water in our hands, to be at the feet of people. Even sometimes if we get the water kicked in our face, we're still going to do it. And then we remind ourselves to take heed to the poor. It's an uncomfortable truth to realize that in this town there are people, friends, that would be classed as poor. We don't say that patronizingly, but we must take heed to them because the scriptures are jam-packed full of exhortation for us to do exactly that. And then Christian reminded us last week in his own inimitable ways that gift poured out of him with a passion for the lost to take heed to the gospel. Now we've done six there. We could have put a one before it and gone on and on, but we don't want to sort of elongate these series too much so that they lose their passion but i feel that we've got a really appropriate passion portion of scripture to finish tonight because i want us to conclude in arena mansfield before we come to the christmas season that julie's just outlayed to us so wonderfully tonight the next three weeks really are looking out and we're gonna have three expressions of christmas It's gonna be wonderful you can invite people with a confidence it's gonna be great place to be but before we get there on this first Sunday of Advent, that we take heed to our devotion. We take heed to our devotion. And devotion means to be dedicated. It means to be consecrated. As Dave Mansfield reminded us the other night, that means to be set apart. So I de- define devotion as an as a, a earnest attachment to a cause or to a person. And I want to suggest tonight, friends, that our Attachment to the cause can only be motivated by love. I never cease to be amazed at how people get attached, dedicated, and consecrated to things that really don't matter. I don't know whether you read that piece the other week about that guy that was going to his stepdaughter's wedding. I don't know why he allowed it to take place in the football season. When I tell you that he, no, when I tell you that he's a Wolves fan that lives in Ipswich, Wolves being Wolverhampton, Ipswich being a long way away. And he'd gone to 1,741 matches consecutively, home and away. He'd not missed the game since 1970-something. 1,741 matches. He's got three, he'd gone through three Vauxhall Astros on the way and took them all well, well over 100,000 miles. Well, all of a sudden he said, I'm going to miss it. I'm going to give my stepdaughter away. So I'm going to miss the game. And he was on the telly. Well, that's a passion for a course. You know. And they've been relegated twice in two seasons and lost yesterday. So you must be a happy guy today. But, but, um, and then, you know, there's all sorts of things that we could go on about. A passion for politics. I'm not saying that people in this church shouldn't have a call to the political arena. Maybe there's a young person that's got a passion for politics. And we want to pray for people that will come into the civic world. But amazing what some people do. I mean, Mansfield, just the other week meeting somebody. You've got the socialist worker guys. In a freezing cold weather, would they stand passionate about it? Whatever you think about the politics, left of center just a bit. But whatever you think about it, there they were. And so we could go on. And God calls us tonight, friends, as Christians in a Christian church, Christians right, joining with millions of people across the world today in solidarity to worship the name that's above every name. As we adore him in this wonderful season, To just remind ourselves again to take heed to our devotion. To have an earnest attachment to the cause and to the person that is Jesus. And to be motivated by that. Not by legalism, not by self-righteousness, not by trying hard. But by a wonderful love that pours from our hearts. And I say that because this church, for whatever reason, friends, took their eye off the ball. They took their eye off the ball. And I'm going to try and outline it in a few moments as to why this happened you see, in the first century, there were some significant cities in Asia that the Lord wanted to write to. The seven churches there uh, in, uh, in uh, chapters two and three, you might think, well, they don't mean much to us, but in those days, they were very, very significant. Interestingly, my friends and friends of Arena Gavin and Glenda Williams, have just led a tour to the seven churches of Asia, and they took people there, and, and the Australians like to go down to Gallipoli as well, because it was where there was a great battle, and, and uh, they get very dewy-eyed about all of that sort of stuff from the First World War. But, but they, they went and visited the church. It says it was great just to read the scriptures in these contexts that barely remain anymore. Still a modern day. Um, one or two of them still have a modern day situation, but some of them are just ruins. But Ephesus in the first century was known as the market of Asia. It crisscrossed trade routes. It was a, it was a, a go-to place. And uh, he was known for two things. He was known for its idolatry. There was a great temple there to the goddess Diana, or in some Bibles, Artemis, same goddess. And he was also known for its immorality. There were many dark practices that were openly conducted and condoned. And in Acts 19, there was a move of God. How many of you know that God loves to come where it seems though nothing can happen and bring a move of God's? A move of God's. And you've heard already today a wonderful word this morning if you were there and if you weren't there I encourage you to get it on the podcast from Christian about going deep passionate for a move of God in us and from us to touch needs in these days and in Acts 19 there was a wonderful move of God and uh, I'll I'll come back to it in a moment or two but just a great move in the city of Ephesus and then in about 1864 Paul wrote a book that we now know as Ephesians. And he says there, to the holy people in Ephesus. So what Paul often did was he'd establish a church, and then he'd write to them as a father to encourage them. And we did, we did Ephesians in the 242 journey in Arena, Ilkeston this year, and it's a wonderful book. Uh, we had a real trouble squeezing those six chapters into six sessions because they're so full. But a great book. It, it really is a book of two halves. The first three chapters remind us of what we are in Jesus. And then the second three chapters remind us of how to live out the life of Jesus. And uh, it's just great. And then we come to here, which is about another 30 or 35 years later. About 1894, 95. And John, whilst in exile on the Isle of Patmos, receives a message from heaven, from the Lord Jesus. And he says, John, I want to communicate with these seven churches. I've got something to say to them. And I want you to be the go-between. I want you to be the pen writer. I want you to be the spokesman. I want you to be the one that writes my words and then send the message. It literally was mail from heaven. And Ephesus is first on the list. And in most of the letters, not all of them, there's some correction. But also in the letters, there's some commendation. So a move of God. And 30 years later, we come to this notice firstly the successors of the church the successors of the church verses two and three and also verse six so firstly i'm just going to bullet point these so they were just firstly they were they were industrious paul says i know your deeds your hard work and your perseverance in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3, he writes to the church in Thessalonica and says to them, I want to thank God for your labour of love. How many of you know that there are many phrases in the Bible that become phrases of everyday life? Many of them. And this is one of them. Oh, that was a labour of love. In other words, somebody does something, not motivated by financial gain, but simply because they love to do what they're doing. And these people, friends, were industrious. They gave themselves to the work of the Lord. Now, we can't build the church simply by hard work, but building the church involves hard work. It really does. It involves a commitment to the course. And I, I'm just in awe of the staff around uh, Arena Church, uh, and we'd like to grow that more, but we understand some of the limitations we have, and we want to continually believe God. But I want to tell you that people that give part-time, people that give some of their time with a little bit of pay and voluntary And some people that just give voluntary, whatever people are doing, whether it's here or down the road, they give way way beyond and beyond every time. There's nobody clock watching. There are people that go the extra mile. People just pour in. You don't build a church, friends, if I can say this, with leaders that just want to run five days a week, seven hours a day, and go home and put their feet up. It do not work like that. It doesn't work like that. So we give ourselves to the work these people did. And then they were persevering. They persevered. And perseverance is a wonderful virtue. In Galatians 6 and 9, it says we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. Too many people give up. We'll reap a harvest if we don't give up really well. We will reap a harvest in this town if we don't give up. We will reap a harvest if we remain persevering. We will reap a harvest if we keep giving out invites. We will reap a harvest if we keep talking to people. We'll reap our harvest if we keep showing up on a Sunday night. we really well. And then they were watchful. Because in verse 2 it says they weren't taken in by those that said they were apostles but weren't. And neither should we be. 21st century. Because they're around. And in Acts chapter 20 Paul said to the, to, to the Ephesian elders, and I'll refer to it a little later, that they need to be watchful over the flock, to guard the flock, because there were those that would come in like wolves to seek to tear it apart. And then they were uncompromising, verse 6, because there's that sort of strange little verse that says, and you've, not, uh, you've pushed back on, the, on the, the religious ways of the Nicolaitans. Don't have time to go there tonight. But they were basically a, a sort of weird false religious sect that were lax on uh, morality but strong on hierarchy. In other words, they wanted to be controlling but also sort of free in the way that people lived and the Ephesian church saw it for what it was and said we are not have anything to do with that and without getting negative friends sometimes things seem Christian that aren't and we have to be careful and we have to be careful We're in the arena church we have to take heat so wow what a church doctrinally sound morally strong hard working perseverant and committed wow we want to be all those things but verse four, this is Jesus talking. Yeah, I have this against you. So not only the successors of the church, but also the shortcomings of the church. You have forsaken your first love. What a stinging rebuke. What a, what a word. But I want to say tonight that every local church must continue to ask this question Otherwise, it will inevitably cause us to drift to oblivion. And the reason that churches close, friends, is not because nobody came last week, but down into the history of churches that close, one of the ways that they sign the death knell of the church is that for whatever reason, the church moved away from its first love, never addressed it, never responded. And I'll come to it later in terms of what the Lord says. Ultimately, the lampstand's removed. Now, in Acts chapter 19, and again, I'm just going to bullet point it for time. I want to take you back to first love responses of this church just 30 years before. Just 30 years, just a generation. And I'm just going to bullet point three things. Number one, they had a humble submission to God's purposes, chapters 1 to 6. Because when Paul came to Ephesus and said, hey, guys, uh, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? He said, "We've not even heard about the Holy Spirit. What are, you, what are you talking about? We've heard about John's baptism, but not the Spirit baptism." And right there and then, right there and then, he prayed for them, and you can read about them speaking in tongues and prophesying. I love Frank Damasio for his amazing consistency to the Word of God over many years. And Frank, every week, almost on Twitter, is just passionate about his local church. He did it again yesterday. Just loves to gather the church. Frank will tell you that he came from a particular domination and he would have been in that experience at 18, 19 years of age. Because he'd gone to church for most of his life and he didn't have a clue about the Holy Spirit. He became part of the Jesus revolution in in America in the 60s. Completely revolutionized his life. And God gave him an amazing apostolic teaching gift to the church that's blessed thousands. And I want to say tonight, friends, that Without any sense of as going out of kilter, out of balance. This church is passionate about the Holy Spirit at work amongst it. It really is. We're not going to move from it. We're not going to backtrack from it. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And these people humbly yielded to more. They went deeper. They went deeper. And secondly, in verse 10, they were hungry for the word of God. It says that some were obstinate and disbelieving, but over two years... Paul went to the Hall of Tyrannius daily to preach the kingdom and teach the kingdom of God. And people responded. And it goes on to say that out of that, not only miracles, but extraordinary miracles began to take place. I mean, boy, how can you get to such a place where the miracles are so fantastic? You've got to put a word in front of them. We want to believe, friends, in Mansfield for extraordinary miracles. I said to Sharon just this week, boy, I said that. You know, I read this little memoir that a brother wrote. It's not, if I can say this, sorry, but it's not particularly well written. But the first two chapters really drew me in. Because it reminds, uh, it goes back to the early 1950s. And Freddingham, who was a pit deputy in in South Emsall Collier, biking seven miles every week to plant a church in Barnsley. Not an educated man, not somebody with lots of, Theological background, but believe God. And uh, Sharon's mom's mom got wonderfully healed. She went in a wheelchair and she walked on pushing the wheelchair. And Sharon's mom went to the church a few weeks later simply to say thank you and got radically born again. And it rolls down three, four generations. Because Sharon's here tonight as a daughter. Nielsen is part of the Planet Shakers leadership team in Australia as a grandson. And so it goes on. When God steps into your family... Watch out, because things can happen that can roll down the years. amazingly, extraordinary miracles. And then they renounced their idolatry. There was an open expression of repentance. And they burnt their sorcery books. Now, Kurt McAteer is also on our area leadership team. He's Australian, so he calls November the 5th, Cracker Night. You know, he's an Australian, you just have to put it over here. Cracker Night, what's that about? But you see, in Australia, for all sorts of reasons, like bushfires, they can't do fireworks and bonfires. So he loves it over here. He loves fireworks. He loves this night when everybody's sort of laying off all sorts of things. And uh, he just loves cracker night. Cracker Jack. Can you remember that? Whoa. Five to five on Friday night. Weren't it wonderful? we better get back to the message quick, yeah. But they had... They they had bonfires, and read it. It says they burnt 50,000 drachma of sorcery books. And if you've got a Bible at the bottom, it says a drachma was a day's wages. And I've worked out, friends, that 50,000 days wages at seven days a week is 136 years and a bit. 136 years' wages went on the bonfire. When people repented because they loved Jesus first. Yeah. What about if we had a move of God in Mansfield where po- folks were putting the drugs on the, on the stage here in open repentance? Yeah. I'll finished with the facts. I'm reading stuff I shouldn't read. It's gone. Yeah.
1: What about that? Yeah. Very good.
0: An expression of first love. Receiving, responding, repenting. It's all there. And, and, uh, and we go on to see that... Um, there was an amazing bond made between Paul and the Ephesian church. So if you read in Acts 10, 20, one of my favorite chapters in the whole of the Bible, and, chapter, and verse 24, one of my favorite verses in the whole of the Bible, you'll find at the end of that, t- t- that time when they knew that on this earth they would never meet again, they, they, they wept on each other's shoulders as they committed each other to God. This is the first love, 30 years before this. So the successors of the church... The shortcomings of the church. The solution for the church. Two things. Number one, remember. Consider. Take heed, And see how far you've fallen. And two, repent. In the original language, friends, for repentance, that word is metanoia. A change of mind that leads to a change of action. Not enough just to change your mind. A change of mind that leads to a change of action. And I'm passionate to see more people genuinely repent. I really am. Josh, you need to believe for it in that youth culture that kids will genuinely repent. Turn around and not do the stuff they've been doing. Radical turnarounds. Radical change. We understand the process of discipleship, but let's not make process, friends, an excuse for people not entering into the crisis of repentance because it will spur them on a lot quicker, I can tell you. And do the things that you did first. Do the things that you did first. And what are the consequences, friends, of failing to take heed? Jesus says, I'll remove the lampstand from its place. Now, you'll understand that the more you get into Revelation, the more the symbolism grows. And when you think you've got Revelation cracked, bear in mind there are four credible views of it anyway. So I never get too sort of puffed up about your take on it because somebody else will have another one. The reality is at the end of the day, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And he's going to triumph over all. Yeah. He really is. And I'm not saying you shouldn't study the book, but don't be one-eyed about it. But here we've got some symbolism. And in chapter one, it tells us what the lampstand is. The end of chapter one, it says the lampstand is one of the churches. Get it? If we move away from our first love passion, and if Jesus ever speaks to us about the need to take heed and we don't, eventually the lampstand will be removed. Thank God, friends, that across the world, this year, thousands of churches have been planted. But here's the truth. Thousands have closed. Thousands have closed. And I hate it when I drive past a church that's closed. And I start to go through my head, I think, I wonder why. I know there were people that faithfully prayed in that church. I know the word of God was preached. I know it started with a passion. Why? Why? And often it's because they left their first love. They left the first love. And I want to tell you, friends, by God's grace, somebody just said to me yesterday, it was our Ryan. Last night. He says, Well of course he says you're showing into the generations in what you're doing at Arena, right? He says, it's exactly what we're doing, It's not just about next week. And with respect, friends, it's not even about next year. It's about your grandkids growing up in this church and becoming preachers and leaders and teachers. It's about other people arising and emerging that will spill down the generations to have a credible, effective, dynamic, mighty, radical Christian presence in this town for as long as God gives us grace. Not the lampstand going. Not us coming one minute and going the next. Oh, Oh, yeah. Well, they had a big palaver when they opened in September. Now, look at them. They've gone. It's not happening, friends by God's grace it's not going to happen we don't want the lampstand removed and if we don't want the lampstand removed we need to stay close to first love 30 years from a revival 30 years from a move of God 30 years from a first love to Jesus that received new truth and went deep in the Holy Spirit 30 years from turning up and hearing the kingdom being declared 30 years from thousands and thousands of pounds being burnt on a bonfire in open repentance jesus says there's so many things about this church that are fantastic but i've got this one thing i've got to get it i've got to get it out there you've left your first love and what does first love look like can you remember the night you got saved can you remember that first season I was talking to somebody last night in South Manchester that got born again in Mansfield. How about that? Wow. I went to St. Neil Church for a time. I said to Sandra this morning, do you know that guy? Yeah, I know him. And he says there, he says they weren't, he says that the pastor was there, he says, the pastor disciple. How about that? Incredible. And he said, got oh, wonderfully saved. He said, I went to Empire Street once and I didn't like it. I'm making no comment. And uh, and he says, but for the next nine months, my life was hell. And so I came to Jesus, got radically saved. A miner that moved from the northeast to work in Shybrook. Got saved in this town. Wow. Still serving the Lord 40 years later. Wonderful. That's the gospel, What about when you first got saved? Enthusiasm. Remember when you skipped to church? You just loved being in the house of God. Remember when you're frightened to sin? You just loved Jesus. Remember when you had that innocent naivety? Can you remember when you said, "Whatever God said, the answer's yes." It's not waning. He talked. That's first one. I was talking to a minister friend of mine. I've been in ministry since thirty-five years. I've been a Christian since a boy of eleven. Give my life to Christ, and it was real. And I said to him the other week, "I said, I don't want to lose my wide-eyed naivety of following Jesus. I have to measure it. I have to be careful in certain areas." But I don't want to lose my wide-eyed naivety of being a Jesus follower. I don't want to have all the answers for everything of why this can't happen, why that can't happen, why that can't happen. I want to love Jesus as a little boy would say, God, I want to follow you. Whatever it means, whatever it costs, whatever you say, I want to stay in first love. Maybe you've never had a first love experience. Maybe that's the issue. Maybe you've come because other people have come, but it's never really gripped you. Tonight it can grip you. Not your friend, not your mum, not your dad, not your grandma, not your auntie, but you, a first love experience. And of course, I am not suggesting, and I emphasize that, I am not suggesting, in this church that I am proud, not only to be a leader of, but simply to belong to, that there is no love in this church. There's an amazing love, and that's why I prefaced it at the beginning, by the expression of love that's poured out this year to bring us to tonight. It's been fantastic. But brothers and sisters, let's continue to take heed to our devotion. Let's continue to give ourselves to the Lord. Let's never stray away from it. Let's live in first love. The Bible said love never fails. You remember Jesus talking to Peter after they had the supper on the seashore, or rather the breakfast. And he said these words. He says, Peter, do you love me more than these? What's the these in your life? Do you love me more than these? Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you. I'm going to conclude the service a little different tonight. So I'm going to finish with a song, but it's going to be a song on video. And I just want you to listen to it. And uh, it's a song by a group called Avalon. And uh, they sing uh, their arrangement of an old hymn. My Jesus, I love thee. Uh, I'm using the thee because that's what's in it. I know thou art mine. For thee all the pleasures of sin. I resign. My gracious Redeemer, my Saviour thou If ever I love thee, my Jesus. December the 1st, 2013, it is now. And I want you just to listen to it. It's four minutes. Can I just say, friends, and I say this lovingly, if you're going to spend the next four minutes saying that's not my genre of mu- music, you're going to miss it. Don't worry, we're not going Southern Gospel every week. It's okay. But this is Southern Gospel. This is well sung. But more than anything, I want it to minister to your heart. And then we'll ask Christian to come and conclude the service in prayer. Arena Mansfield, let's stay close to first.
1: of sin I resign